0: This is 99% Invisible. I'm Roman Mars. It is the most reviled form of contemporary architecture there is.
1: A McMansion is an oversized house, usually over 3,000 square feet, that doesn't really interact with its environment, whether that's the houses around it or if it's built in the middle of nowhere, that environment as well.
0: This is Kate Wagner, creator of the blog McMansion Hell, where she helps readers like me understand what is and isn't a McMansion and why we hate them.
1: The main signs of a McMansion are that they're built cheaply with very cheap materials, new materials, rarely ever traditional materials.
0: As you can tell by the name of the blog and by her general demeanor, Kate Wagner hates the McMansion.
1: They're built without any sort of consideration for the grammar of design.
0: Since the creation of this show, I've used the word architecture in the most tenuous and metaphorical of ways. But according to Kate the McMansion may not even qualify as architecture at all.
1: There's no real architecture in the McMansion, and it's too ostentatious to be considered folk architecture. They have no architectural commentary. All they do is represent sort of an ideal of wealth.
0: But it's more an image of wealth rather than wealth itself.
1: It's very much meant to to convey that one message that I have a lot of money and a lot of space, and I am putting it in this house that is so tall and so massive that you feel intimidated by it just as you should feel intimidated by my apparent wealth.
0: That single purpose, to convey wealth, steamrolls every other potential design principle like symmetry or logic, history or beauty.
1: Yeah, who cares if you have a big house if it's like so ugly, I don't want to look at it.
0: Kate believes the source of this ugliness stems from the combination of mass production... customization during the 90s and 2000s thanks to easy access to a lot of money through bad mortgages pushed on the american people the tastes of the new home buyer ran to the extreme the standard models of these mass-produced homes reflected that but if grand entrances and granite countertops and stainless steel appliances weren't nice enough many new home manufacturers allowed for customizations that brought the opulence to the next level
1: So they'll combine the two, an already designed prototype, with sort of a custom home, which can end up in some pretty wild-looking results.
0: So they're designed and customized from the inside out, and it makes the outside big and weird and lumpy.
1: Because somebody wanted cathedral ceilings in their bathroom, which is obviously a necessity.
0: The first victim in the design from the inside out process is the roof. McMansion roofs are a mess.
1: The roof is sort of the number one way to tell a McMansion from a a mansion in that the roof kind of makes no sense. It's got various pitches, which is how sort of steep the roof is, and it's got many different shapes, many different heights, many different angles.
0: Like a gabled roof with a hipped roof, the pyramidal roof, you don't really need to know what these look like, but just know they're not usually all together.
1: They're really just there to put a hat on a ridiculously crafted house.
0: But the coup de grace of the McMansion roof is a feature that Kate has dubbed the McMansion nub.
1: The McMansion nub is where you'll see like a, a roof line that is relatively organized and then you'll just have like this bump at the top because somebody had to have some feature and they just like couldn't fit it in linearly. Usually it's like either storage space or like someone wanted some ridiculous ceilings or ceiling feature. So they just have this like nub at the top. So it's like a hat to a hat, if you will.
0: According to Kate, another hallmark of the McMansion is the two-story entrance.
1: You walk into a house and there's suddenly, wow, so much space. Wow, look at our chandelier. Wow, so dramatic. That was the word that they use, is dramatic.
0: They being the real estate brokers and marketers and hosts of house-flipping TV shows. So to have a big entryway, you should probably have A pretty big door.
1: And then on top of that really big door, there's a really big window. Sometimes there's like three foot of useless space and then the really big window.
0: The window usually has a square bottom to match the top of the door and an arched top.
1: That kind of window shape didn't even exist really before the McMansion. The McMansion invented that window.
0: It's not only the window on top of the door that makes Kate and the avid readers of McMansion Hell cringe. It's all the windows. And I do mean all of the windows
1: there's usually more than three different shapes of windows
0: of course there are always thoughtful and interesting violations of any design guidelines but generally kate thinks a house should limit the front facade to two or fewer window shapes while keeping a single window style across the entirety of a single story
1: i get ridiculous houses in my inbox all the time where there's like six different types of windows from six different architectural styles. It's sort of a garbled communication of sorts. It's, you, you can't filter the signal from the noise, design-wise.
0: And last but not least, you can't have a big, ostentatious house without columns.
1: So the columns usually are either oversized or undersized.
0: Or sometimes the columns are not columns at all. They're just column-shaped protrusions from the exterior wall.
1: Basically, a column is created to sort of balance whatever it is that it's holding up. That's the point of columns is that they hold things up. I don't know. A lot of people seem to have not understood that in the last 30 years. But they actually are supposed to hold things up. And so if you have these really big columns and they're holding up the tiniest little pediment or portico, then it looks like pretty ridiculous. But the point is, is that you have the really big columns, So everyone knows that you're rich like a bank that also has really big columns.
0: Alright, so this kind of snarky criticism is fun and all, it's really fun for me, but there's a larger point to be made about the design of the McMansion. According to Kate, the age of the McMansion saw the shift of the house from a place that we live in, potentially for the rest of our lives, to an asset that we are decidedly not supposed to live in forever.
1: People started designing their houses with the notion of selling them in mind. Realtors would advise, oh, I wouldn't buy or do this because then the house isn't gonna sell very well. So we sort of devised this culture where we thought about selling our houses before we even spent one night in them.
0: Kate lays the blame for this mindset at the feet of HGTV and similar channels. The excess and conformity of the McMansion was reinforced over and over again on home improvement and house flipping TV shows. Because the house as object could always be improved. Not necessarily to make it better, but to make it sell.
1: Home improvement channels, would paint a house beige, and then you would see this ticker in the corner that says, oh, we just added $800 to the value of this house, or something like that. They would come up with these crazy ways to quantify these sort of improvements that sort of cause people to go into these frenzies, and that's why so many houses look the same, is because... This is what was told would make our house worth more, rather than what actually does make a house worth more, which is structural changes, uh, improving energy efficiency, green upgrades, things like that. Not like adding a certain color of paint. It's totally subjective.
0: Older McMansions built in the early 2000s are not proving to be a very good investment.
1: Smaller houses are appreciating at a much faster rate than larger houses.
0: But after a lull in the market following the housing crisis, builders are finding buyers for huge, brand-new homes again. According to CBS News, quote, homes 4,000 square feet or larger saw a sharp jump in sales last year, rising 30% from the year earlier, end quote. It's safe to assume that all the bad design choices in the first round of McMansions will continue on in this new generation, which is not good news if you enjoy the vibrancy of variability in the built world.
1: Houses of differing styles, that's another thing that gives us a sense of place. You can tell that you're somewhere else because all the houses are different. But the sort of sprawl aesthetic is that it's the same everywhere. And, you know, houses and styles didn't evolve through a planning committee. They evolved through a combination of popular taste and place. Like, that's why you'll see, like, Pueblo-style architecture in the West, but you're not going to see it in Cary, North Carolina. It's just one of those things that gives you a context of where you are and that the built environment has everything to do with place as the natural environment does.
0: Embedded in the pages of McMansion Hell are lessons in consumerism and materialism But fundamentally, Kate Wagner picks apart these crimes against architecture in hilarious and excruciating detail to teach us the fundamentals of architecture in a new way.
1: Using humor to educate people about the world around them is is sort of a great way to get people involved in the sort of greater design community. Most people, what they learn about architecture in school is they learn like the Greek orders. And it's like, oh, this is the ionic column. Yes, this is the flying buttress, everyone snickers. And it's really dry. People like really don't care.
0: I firmly believe that people do care. Even if we don't know why, even if we don't know how to articulate it, we feel the effects of bad design whether we consciously notice it or not.
1: So now people can say, now I know why I hate that house. Thank you. Now it's like, wow, actually none of these windows match. I hate that. And it's empowering people to, to have opinions about the built environment, which they have mostly been served through like a marketing or, or materialistic lens, rather than from a design standpoint.
0: And as I've learned with pointing out the bad design of city flags, once you get people to notice bad design, Your annoyance spreads like a virus.
1: I get a lot of emails, like a lot of messages that say like, before I read this blog, I didn't give two craps about architecture. And now I start to notice these things on all of the buildings I pass by. And that makes me so happy because now other people have to suffer through what I have suffered for years and years and years.
0: And we will all suffer together. with our bad houses and our ugly flags and doors that you don't know whether to push or pull and our light switches where you never remember which light they go to even though you've lived in the house for 20 frickin' years. And our terrible currency, and our ugly passports, and our comic sans, and our public bench armrests, and our bogus expiration dates, and our confusing ballots. That one we really need to fix, like soon. 99% 99% Invisible is Katie Mingle, Kurt Colstead, Sharif Yousef, Sam Greenspan, Avery Truffman, Emmett Fitzgerald, Taryn Mazza, Delaney Hall, and me, Roman Mars. All the music this week was composed by Sean Rial. We are a project of 91.7 KALW San Francisco and produced on Radio Row in beautiful downtown Oakland, California. So last week I presented at the Frontiers Conference organized by the White House. President Obama was there and it was a very cool event. I volunteered my time and I got myself out there, and as a thank you for my effort, the White House organizers gave me a presidential challenge coin, which, as you can imagine, was a very big deal to me. The 99% Invisible challenge coins are all gone, but for this year, for the fundraiser, we decided to design new Radiotopia challenge coins to give to all the people who've stayed with us as regular donors for the last year as a token of our appreciation and offer them to new backers who want to get on board and keep our show going strong. Having one of these coins means that you're committed to Radiotopia being the home of independent, producer-driven podcasts. And when you challenge me with a coin, that means you're part of a family of people that makes this all possible. Plus, the new coin just looks awesome. I can't wait to get one myself. Go to radiotopia.fm to become a coin-carrying Radiotopian. If we add 5,000 donations to the roles, FreshBooks, who make cloud accounting software, particularly designed for independent creative people like me, will donate $40,000. But we need you to make that challenge. And I mean you. Go to radiotopia.fm. Try it yourself. Go to squarespace.com slash invisible for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code invisible to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. You can find this show and like the show on Facebook. All of us are on Twitter, Instagram, and Spotify. But to find out more about this story, including cool pictures and links, and listen to all the episodes of 99% Invisible, you must go to 99PI.
1: Radiotopia.